Welcome to Lessons for Life, where we seek to learn, love, and live the Word of God. Now, here is James Long Jr. actually the section that uh, was just read for us, Luke chapter 2. Now, if you were going to make an, a, an announcement to the world, a big announcement, who would you choose? You probably would choose the most powerful people in the world to make that announcement to the world, or you would choose those who were rich or famous, the media, the political leaders of the time. And what God did was something radically different. Instead of the rich and the powerful, God chose a lowly group of shepherds. Shepherds out in the field in the middle of the night were going to be his first spokespersons for the coming of his son. Now, I don't know if you know this, but back in biblical times, shepherds were probably the lowest class of people. They were the most insignificant people of the time. They were discriminated against. They could not, because of their profession, they could not go into the often religious services that they had. And in fact, in courts, their testimony was not valid. They were deemed to be unscrupulous people. So now when you're thinking about it, I'm going to make this huge proclamation to the world. I'm going to pick the most insignificant, discriminated against, and people whose testimony is not going to be valid in court. That is the group of people that God chose to pick as his first spokespeople for his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting as well, as you think about shepherds throughout the Old Testament, one of our first shepherds that we see in the Old Testament is Moses. Moses became a leader, prophet in the Old Testament. The greatest king outside of the Lord Jesus Christ was King David, who was a shepherd. And even one of the prophets, Amos, was a shepherd. There is something that God does. He finds insignificant people, and he wants to do incredible things through them. I want you to think about that, because today you may think of yourself as pretty insignificant, that you don't know if anyone loves you, anyone accepts you, anyone hears you, anyone knows you, but God does, and God sees you, and God hears you, and God has got a message for you this evening. Two simple verses that I want to pull out, and I want to pull some promises out of these verses. In chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, let me read it, and then we'll pull the principles out before we close today. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, this is the word of the Lord. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For I was born this day. In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is God's sufficient, eternal, authoritative, life-giving, and life-changing word. Would you pray with me? So, Father, today I want to be able to praise you and praise your Son and praise your Spirit for this incredible gift that you've given us in Christ. Before this world was ever founded, you had planned to send your Son your Holy Spirit has given us the word from which we preach and which we sing from tonight and which we read. 
And now your Holy Spirit, I pray, is opening eyes and opening hearts to see again the wonder of Christ. There's some here that probably have never trusted in Christ, Lord. I pray today would be the day that they would take the greatest Christmas gift, the gift of your son. For many of us that do know you, Lord, today, I pray that once again, it would be another opportunity to to glory in your son, to be marveling in him, to worship him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll say Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. I just want to think about some principles out of here. First, it says this. It says, verse 10, and the angel said to them, so I want you to think about this, that God revealed salvation to us. God sent his messenger to you to let you know about salvation. It wasn't like we had to climb up to heaven. Some religions believe that's what you have to do. You have to climb up to get to the God of that religion so that you can learn more about that God. That's not what happens in Christianity. It's not that we climb up to God. In fact, we could never climb up to God. What God did for you is that he came to you, and he came to you specifically here in this Christmas story through angels, through a messenger. He says, I've given you these angels. Then the angels were heavenly messengers, heavenly helpers, God's helpers. They may be warriors, but here they're coming out as proclaimers. They're coming out and displaying something, and they're revealing something to us. And what are they revealing? Revealing means to make something known. It means to reveal something, to display something, to reveal something that has not been previously known. So these angels breaking out of the darkness. I can't imagine these shepherds. They're probably laying out there in the middle of the night. It's dark. They've just got their sheep down. And then all of a sudden, bam, out of nowhere, there is this bright light and these heavenly hosts. And this fear must have been there. But why don't we start with this, that God revealed salvation to the shepherds, these lowly people, and he reveals salvation to you. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this. I want you to hear what the shepherds, the angel said. He says, and the angel said to them, fear not. Very first words, fear not. And throughout the scriptures, fear is often challenged by God. And I don't know why I wouldn't have been fearful. I would have been extremely fearful. I would have been paralyzed with fear. If out of a night's sleep, you're sleeping soundly, and all of a sudden, wham, everything wakes up. I can't imagine. Their hearts must have been been pounding. It felt like an earthquake was going on. And the two words were fear not. It's God's beautiful promise to us throughout scripture. He, and he knows that we are people that are tending towards insecurities and doubts and panic and fears and all of these things. We have this in our society today. They had it in their society and he answers their fear with a proclamation. He answers their fear with a promise. He answers their fear with a person, which is so important. The proclamation he's going to tell you is this good news of the gospel. And the promise is that I am going to give you this long-awaited Savior, this Savior that you've been waiting centuries for. I'm telling you he's here. And then he tells you about a person. He tells you about his son. And that's how he answers the fear. And that's how we should hear the answers to our fears today about the proclamation of God's word and the promises of God's word. But the person of Christ is how we should answer our fears today. And he says, I want you to fear not. Not only does he reveal to us through the proclamation of this angel, and not only does he speak to our fears, but the third thing is that he says, I want you to see something, and I want you to hear something. This is so important for us. It's what you fix your eyes on and what you fix your ears on. 
So many of us are looking wrongly and we're hearing wrongly and it creates the chaos and confusion in our lives. But what he says here is this, fear not for behold, see, I bring you good news. That God has come here in the person of his son to give you good news. And good news is needed in our world. I'm telling you, I need to hear that good news. You turn on the news today and it's all you hear is bad news. More trauma, more trials, more difficulties, more suffering. But what he says is this, I want you to see me as your vision. Be thou my vision. For the sin that is in this world and the sin that is in your heart, That sin that causes all the pain and all the misery that you've had, all the brokenness that we have in this world is a byproduct of sin. It's humanity is rebelling against God. He's going against his creator and going against the one who is established as the authority. And every time we sin, whether it's in thought or word or action, that sin causes even greater separation from God. And it puts us under his judgment. And God will judge all of humanity for their sin. And that causes this heavy weight of condemnation that you may feel and this contamination. I just feel like I'm so separated from the world. And so all of that misery and all the pain that you see around us and all the misery and the pain that you feel within you is a byproduct of sin. But what he says is this, God wants you to see something different. He wants you to hear something different, that there's an answer to your condemnation. There's an answer to your contamination. There's an answer to standing before the God of judgment. And what is it? The good news of great joy. He wants you to give you a message of hope. That's the fourth thing I want you to see out of this. It's a message of hope, and it's a message of hope that will bring you great joy. I bring you good news out of the darkness that will bring you great joy. Hope. Hope is interesting. When we think about hope, we talk about cross our fingers. I really wish this will happen. I hope it will happen desperately. But that's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is a confident expectation. It means that you can have full assurance of this. And what God is saying is this. I will give you full assurance that I have the answer to your sin. I have the answer to your condemnation. I have the answer to your contamination. I have the answer to your alienation. I have the answer to your separation. It is my son. And that is why you can have a confident hope, not a wish, but a confident expectation that you can have freedom and hope and peace and joy. That's why he says, I bring you good news of great joy. And joy is interesting. It's not this fleeting, you got a raise and it feels good, but then the money is spent. You got this possession and you really like it, but then you want something other. You lost those five pounds and then you gain it back tomorrow. It's, It's not that. It's a confident expectation and it's a joy, which is a true contentment based on faith. What would it look like to live your life with contentment, peace, Joy. God says, I give you a message of hope that will give you that message of hope and joy. So God reveals salvation to us. He says, I have given you my angels. He reminds them not to fear, fear not. He wants them to see something and hear something different. He gives them a message of hope, not cross your fingers, but a confident expectation that will bring great joy, a contentment, a lasting contentment. But then he says, I give you 
good news of great joy, which shall be for what? All people. There are certain religions and certain faiths that you have to look a certain way, you need to speak a certain way, you need to be of a certain group in order to get that privilege. And the beauty of the gospel is, as I look around this room, there are people with different shades and different tongues and different backgrounds. We don't all have the same background, but the beauty of the gospel is this, that it's all tribes, all tongues, all people. You all, if you are in Christ, become part of the family of God. The family of God may look different, they may speak different, they may have cultural differences, but we are one in Christ. And that's no more so than what we had here. These first heralds of the gospel are the most insignificant people of their time, but God chose to say that you are significant in my family if you trust in my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does he do? He gives them a message that will be for all people. He says that I give you this message, and now what I want you to do is to do something with that message. The last two things I want you to think about in this passage is he says, I give you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And then he says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior. Now, you may not be aware of this, and I haven't counted this up, but there are a number of people that have gone back and said that there are hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament. One actually counted up 574 promises in the Old Testament specifically focused on the person of God, Christ. 574 promises, of which about 300 of them were fulfilled in his first advent. The last portion will be filled in his second advent. Can you imagine a God who promise after promise was fulfilled, fulfilled, fulfilled? Why? Because he is a promise keeper. He is faithful. He doesn't lie. He never fails. And when he says it, it will occur. See, I love this passage in 2 Timothy. It says, when we were faithless, God remained faithful. So on this Christmas season, I want you to remind yourself of this good message, this message of great joy, which will be for all people. But I want you to remind yourself that it was based on promises of the Old Testament. And that promise-keeping God of the Old Testament is the same promise-keeping God of today. Last thing I want you to think about coming out of this passage is that God gives you the greatest gift. I was looking under our tree and... I was a little late. I wrapped most of my presents yesterday. My wife probably wrapped most of her presents five months ago. Some of them, I was out at the store today and I saw, I just needed to get a couple of things and people were panicking, filling up their shopping carts with all this stuff. So they hadn't even bought their stuff yet as of today. And I guess all of us are going to look forward to getting some gifts. I, in fact, got a couple of gifts this evening. Thank you so much. But the greatest gift that we were ever going to get is a relationship with God. That the relationship that God gives us with himself is this. He says, for unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. God has given you a relationship with first the Savior. He's given you a relationship with himself through his Son, who's the Savior of this world. And what is he a Savior of? He is the one that came here to rescue you from his sin, from your sin. He took sin upon himself so that the judgment that was due to you, he took upon himself so that you could be rescued. Pastor Tim just mentioned it. We look at a manger, but we're looking at a cross. We're looking at a tomb, and we're looking at a resurrected and ascended Savior today.
Yes, we worship at a cave or a manger today, but we worship ultimately the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that is seated at the right hand today. He is a savior, but he's Lord. He's majestic. He is the one that you're called to bow before. So I end with this. Yes, it's great that God sent us salvation through an angel or gave us the message of salvation through an angel. And yes, it's great that he told us not to fear. And yes, it's great that he says, I want you to see and hear me. And yes, it's great that he gives us a message of hope. And yes, it's great that it's a message for all people. And yes, it's great that it's promise after promise. And yes, it's great that you've given us a relationship with yourself. But the issue is this. This is where you determine it. And this is where he gets personal, because I skipped over these three words. For unto you. For unto you. For unto you. See, the Lord Jesus Christ came here to rescue you. The message is for you today. And the question I have for you is this. Will you respond to Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord? See, that's where it has to move from just a knowledge to something deeper. In fact, I'll close with this. Faith is interesting. Scripture tells us that we're called to repent and place our faith in God. Those two things, right? Repent means to turn away from one thing to turn to something else. I turn away from my sin and I turn to a savior. But what faith means is something different. Faith is about a knowledge. It's about a move of your heart, but then it's about a move of your will. See, knowledge enough about the fact that there was a Christ who was born 2,000 years ago doesn't save you. Satan knows that. Satan knows that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The knowledge of that alone doesn't save anyone. But it's not just knowledge. How about if you're moved in the spirit? Maybe you were moved as we were hearing the music and as we were singing together. Maybe you were moved as you were hearing the passage read. Moved, right? But that's not enough. The Bible tells us that even the demons shuddered before Christ. They were fearful before Christ. So it's not just knowledge, and it's not just emotion. It has to come down to a will. Will you tonight look at the baby in a manger who became a man, who hung on a cross and died for humanity's sin, went to a tomb, rose victoriously, ascended to heaven, is at the right hand, and when he comes back on his second advent, you will stand before him as the Lord and judge. If you Christ today, then that day will be a glorious day, because that will be a day that when your knee bows and your tongue confesses, you'll say that Jesus Christ is Lord and you'll praise him. But there are some here, unfortunately, that won't do that. And your knee still will bow and your tongue will still confess that Jesus is Lord, but it won't be a glorious day for you. I pray today that this Christmas season would be the season, the day, the night, that as those shepherds saw that wonderful story, they saw Christ, they ran to the tomb, they ran to the manger, they saw him, and then they left and they said, we need to proclaim the good news of great joy. Let that be in your heart today and then worship him, worship him, worship him. Father, thank you.
You give us angels to reveal the truth. You tell us not to fear. You give us a message of hope. You say, I want you to see that message. I want you to hear the message. You give that message of hope for all people. You tell us promise after promise that you fulfill us. You give us your a relationship with you. But today, Lord, you say, trust my son. Bow your knee to my son and worship him. I pray that we would do that today. I pray that there would not be a person leaving this sanctuary today that doesn't bow their knee to Christ and worship him. And I pray that this would be a radically different Christmas season for that family because that person is trusting in you. And for the rest of us, Father, yes, we'll open presents tomorrow. And yes, we'll have time with family and friends. But help us to remind ourselves of whose birth we celebrate. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been Lessons for Life with James Long Jr. We hope you've been blessed. For more information, go to jameslongjr.org.